We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, folks, this is my favorite time of the year. This is deep into the NFL draft weeds now, baby. We're ready. And we've already seen the All-Star Game circuit come and go. We had several Notre Dame, five Notre Dame players, I think. I think it was actually, they ended up being six. I'm trying to think. So, J.D. Bertrand, Maris Lloydfell, Javante Jean-Baptiste, Cam Hart, Sam Hartman, right? Yep, so five players that were at the 2024 Reese's Senior Bowl. We also are past the 2024 East-West Shrine game. But this is the fun part of the process. After this, it gets terrible, friends. I'm, I'm going to give you guys some insight into the draft process if you don't know, okay? You, um, all right, well, Salty, you can say smartest if you want that instead, you smart Alec. Um, <laughs> so... We're in combine time, folks, and I know a lot of people make fun of it. You know, underwear Olympics, you know, film matters most. Who cares what a guy runs in shorts? And I get it. Trust me. I get it. I'm an evaluator, man. So film always trumps everything else. But it's a lot of fun. I mean, again, we're just going to stop being so grumpy all the time and just kind of enjoy some of the greatest athletes we'll ever see be the greatest athletes we'll ever see and do some insane things, right? Like absolutely insane. It was not close at all, Raymond. It was not. I had complete control of my mouth, man. I had complete control. I was good. I was good. But this is the most fun time because I'll be in Indianapolis, be able to see some of the great athletic feats that a lot of these great modern-day players do. It is just an impressive thing just to be able to see some of these guys. I mean, I remember watching Calvin Johnson. I think I told the story before, but at six foot five, 235 pounds, run 435 in somebody else's cleats. It was just like... Stuff doesn't make sense, man. Doesn't make any sense. But yet, 
every single year we're seeing new and new things that just kind of make you double take and kind of shake your head of like, how is a athlete able to do that? And that's the fun part of the combine because it's not just about the athletic testing either. It's about the media availability. I'll be able to talk to some of these players, a lot of these players. It's also, they have the availability to the teams to be able to sit down with them, do some whiteboard stuff, answer the hard questions. By the way, the medicals are very important. And we'll talk about the medicals for a couple of these Notre Dame players that will be in attendance this, this week. I love the combine because after this, what happens after the combine rumor mill season, 97 different players are going to go in the first round. These awful rumors from these non-legitimate sites are going to start to publish these rumor mill articles. And it's just toxic, man. Like smokescreen season is upon us. And it's not really, it's not really fun to be honest. Cause then you have to decipher all the smoke and what's real and what's not real. It's not fun. Right. But let's talk about these Notre Dame players that are in that are going to be performing at the combine. And I want to take it a little bit of a different way because I'm going to talk about what's at stake, what's the expectation about each player, all that. But I also ranked it because I think that we need to think of it this way. For the combine, there is going to be players that this is a much more important process for a certain player than what another player does. And I'll give examples of some guys that like they're going to show up, they're going to be there, they're going to look pretty. They're going to go home, and it doesn't affect them at all. It doesn't affect them at all. But then there's other players that, depending how they do, could solidify their standards, status, could verify some information, also could hurt them because they, let's say they test poorly, and then a team goes back and watches the film and says, man, not really. I, I thought I saw this on film, but then I go back and look and I didn't really see the same thing. This is where the second evaluation process happens, right? Like we always talk about cross checks and that's where people get cross checked. Like, oh man, I thought this guy was a four, three athlete. He goes to combine runs four, five, seven, like eh, I might need to go back to the film there. And sometimes your opinion can get firmed up or it could change. That's where processes change. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I ranked the players one through eight based upon how I feel this combine process and is most important and most beneficial to. So again, if you guys don't stay, stay up to date on these types of things, the players that will be at the combine this year from position, going from quarterback to all the way down to safety, Sam Hartman, quarterback, Notre Dame, running back, Aldrick Estime, offensive tackles, Joe Alt and Blake Fisher, defensive end, Javante Jean-Baptiste, Linebackers, J.D. Bertrand, Maris Leupel, and cornerback, Cam Hart. So I want to rank these. Number one, most important combine performance. And again, I'm not just talking about, I'm not just talking about how fast they run. I'm not just talking about the on-field drills that do start on Thursday, by the way. I'm talking about the entirety of the combine process. Number one, cornerback. Cam Hart is the most important performance of any Notre Dame player at the Combine. This is where Cam Hart is, folks. This is where he is. You look at him, and he looks like a first-round corner, just physically. Six foot two and seven eighths, right around six foot three, two hundred four pounds, thirty-two and five eighth inch arms, over thirty-two and a half inch arms, which is very long, nearly a seventy-eight inch wingspan. He looks the way an NFL corner is supposed to look. And then you watch his film, especially this past year, say, man, that's impressive. That's impressive. Day two football player. That's what I would say, just based upon watching Cam Hart. Should go somewhere on the second to third rounds, based upon his athleticism and his physicality. But the major question, and this is the starting point, because Cam needs to test well, like every other player that, that – is a skill position player playing corner needs to test. Well, and we'll talk to some of the numbers. I think he should be able to hit, but it's the medicals first and foremost. It's the medicals. Absolutely. He has now had multiple shoulder injuries. And as a defensive player, shoulder injuries, pretty scary, man. Speaking as a, and I played linebacker. So shoulder injuries went a little bit more, but I, a defensive player that is in the business of tackling, you need to be able to uh, use your shoulders, obviously. And when we're talking about a guy that's had multiple shoulder injuries, it's scary guys. It's a little scary because you have to think about it this way. NFL teams are going to mortgage a lot of money, invest a whole lot of money into these players to be a part of their program. And they think about the long term a whole lot in this evaluation process. And Cam needs to be able to go into those medical checks because they're going to poke and prod them. They're going to, it's another thing. This is a exhausting for players. I've, I've talked to, I've interviewed a lot of them in the past. And I mean, a lot of them are getting wake, woken up at like four in the morning to go get medicals done and MRIs and make sure everything checks out right. If Cam could check out medically, I believe he's going to go pretty high in this draft. I do. Because I already talked about the physical upside 
already talked about the talent. But also, he's having a great draft process so far. He went down to the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, and he was tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. Really showcased a lot of great things in Mobile. I would argue that outside of maybe Quinion Mitchell from Toledo, that he was the best corner in attendance on either side. I thought he was he was stellar all week, except for one bad rep. He was stellar all week. If he checks out medically and he tests the way that we think he's going to test, because this is the thing, is that six foot three, two hundred four pounds is great, but if you can't move, you can't move. But Cam is rumored to have run at Notre Dame multiple times in the four fours. And if he does indeed do that, and he tests out just good everywhere else, vertical, broad, change of direction stuff, if he does just good there, then he's going to rise massively in this draft. I think someone said that they saw him in a second-round mock draft. Well, mock drafts don't matter. They don't. They truly don't. Unless it's one of the big wigs, right? It, it, unless um, it's a Mel Kuyper, Daniel Jeremiah, Dane Brugler, like those types of dudes, because they're getting leak intel, then mock drafts don't typically matter. But I think you're going to see a whole lot more of second, third round conversation for Cam Hart. And that's in the league circles I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, you know, Johnny Tsunami t- putting out a mock draft where it's like, all right, guy, I don't, you, who are you getting your information from? Is this just what you would do? Like, I don't know if you have any sources at all. But I think that in league circles, it'll become much more of a general conversation here of Cam Hart that early in the draft. But if the medicals don't check out, then we're talking about him dropping to fourth, fifth, maybe later. I mean, it really depends how severe the medicals are, man. Like, I, I don't have the answers to it. I really don't have the answers to it. Because it could be something where you say, hey, man, you know, it's it's a little shaky long-term, but we'll get five to six good years. It's a little shaky, but he's going to have naggy injury where he ha- you know, he's m- may miss a couple games every so often. Or you're going to say, you know, I can't predict past two to three years. Because... I remember, I don't know if you guys remember Carson Strong that came out of Nevada a couple years ago, the quarterback. He was going to go top 50, top 64 at worst, first, second round. He was going to go that high, but he had a degenerative knee (laughs) where literally the medicals could not pass him and they could not predict him to last longer than two to three years. Just couldn't do it. He already had early, early arthritis in his knee. Like they just could not do it. So he ended up going undrafted, and he ended up not sticking in the NFL. He actually just medically retired at like the age of 25, I think, <laughs> You know, after trying to give it a shot a couple more times. You just never know. You never know how severe some of these things are. And that's the fascinating part of the draft process is that some of us will never know how bad Cam's shoulders are, how bad player X's leg is, how bad player X's neck is. Like We don't know. We don't know. But let's hope for the best with Cam because he is an exceptional football player that has done a lot of great things, man. He's done a lot of great things, and I hope for the absolute best for him because he's certainly an extremely talented football player. Now let's go to number two. This was going to shock some of y'all, and I know why it's going to shock you. But I think it's a really important combine for Joe Alt. I think it's going to be very, very important. And I think, but I also think there's a world where Joe Alt could just say, you know what, guys? I just want to, you know, I'm not going to do a single thing 
and I'm still going to go in the top 10 of the 2024 NFL draft. And I think Joel could do that. But here's why it's important. Because I don't think there's necessarily consensus over who the top offensive tackle on the board is yet. I think there's a majority, at least from people I've spoken to, that believe that Joe Alt would be the first offensive tackle off the board, right? And he's going to go top 10. Regardless of if you think he's offensive tackle one or two or three, whatever, he's going to go into top 10 of the 2024 NFL draft. But there is still a potential for Joe to solidify his standing amongst a lot of teams. There are teams like the Los Angeles Chargers who pick number five, the Tennessee Titans who pick number seven, even the New York Giants that pick number six that could be in the offensive tackle market. And while it's not the end of the world, if Joe Walt is offensive tackle two and goes three picks later or two picks later, it's still cool to be a first offensive tackle of the board. We can agree with that, right? We can agree with that. He's going to be in competition with Olufashanu. He's going to be competi- out of Penn State. He's going to be in competition with Talese Fuaga out of Oregon State. He's going to be in competition with J.C. Latham out of Alabama. I feel like there's another uh, Marius Mims out of Georgia. It's a deep offensive tackle group, man. It really is. And I think that there's a there's going to be a little bit of a variety by some teams to think of you know who is the top guy on the board and who's the player that we want most. Now, I personally do think, if I had to predict today, I think Joe Walter first off a tackle off the board. I do. I truly do. But I think he has a chance to solidify because there's this weird stigma around Joe Walt, this weird thing, like this weird just opinion that I've seen out in the universe now that he's not a great athlete. He's a good athlete, but he's just incredibly technically sound. And I think it's the dumbest thing I've heard in this draft process so far. I hate it. I think it's so stupid because I've said this multiple times now. I believe that Joe Alt makes everything look so easy, just so easy, that people underestimate how athletic he is. But my counter would be, is that you know how he makes everything look so easy, guys? Because he's really athletic, <laughs> right? Like, he's really long. He's really athletic. He's a former high school tight end. He's a very good athlete. He's a very good athlete. So I, I think that he has a chance that if he just wants to test, just get this thing over with, not have to do anything at the pro day, just get this out of the out of the way, He's going to check every box, and at some point, an evaluator is just going to be like, "All right, man, what are we, what are we what are we talking about anymore? We're talking about a six foot eight, three hundred twenty two pound offensive tackle with great length. His father played in the NFL and was also a tremendous offensive lineman. He's in the Kansas City Chiefs Ring of Honor as an offensive lineman. John Alt also started three years at Notre Dame, basically played under here. He's and by the way, someone said in the chat, he's young." He's like 20 years old still, I think, right now. He's only going to be 21 as a rookie. He is a young dude still. He's younger than Olu Fashanu. He's younger than, I think, Blake Fisher might be the only offensive tackle that's younger than him in this class. So there is still developmental upside still with Joe Alt. So if he just wants to test, man, and get this out of the way and showcase that he is the best offensive tackle in the 2024 NFL draft, I want to see it. I want to see it. I think he has a chance to do it. Just do it. Just do it, man. I want to see it. Joe Walt, go test. Go test, my guy. Go test. And facilitate and form is very, very, absolutely 100% true. Some guys don't test well. But I haven't seen anything of Joe that would tell me that he wouldn't be a good tester. I haven't seen anything. But we'll see. We'll see. I just want him to test, man. Selfishly, as an Notre Dame fan, as an analyst, as someone that's going to be there, I want to see, uh, see what he does out in Indianapolis. Number three, 
So my number three, Blake Fisher is my number three. This one is going to be fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I have heard some very different feedback around. I've heard some teams that really like Blake Fisher. I've heard some teams that have very high question marks about Blake Fisher. And there's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of an in-between ground on him as well. Like they're just the opinions on Blake are just kind of all over the place, man. So I've heard from a prominent source that there are third round grades out there in Blake, fourth round grades out there in Blake, basically late day two, early day three grades on Blake. Then I've also heard later in the draft, and he's kind of a little bit of a gamble. Now we know if you said, if you told someone before the season that Blake Fisher was going to be entered the 2024 NFL draft, I, I, I think a lot of people would have been like, oh yeah, I can see that it's possible. Because everyone knows Blake. I mean, he was he was a big-time recruit, was going to be the starting left tackle at Notre Dame as a true freshman, was the starting left tackle true freshman at Notre Dame before the injury obviously you know, kept him out the majority of that season. Starting right tackle two years after that. But he was a player that I think, I don't think this is, he showed flashes a lot of times at Notre Dame. But Blake Fisher was never a guy that I would say hit his upside as a player. Just don't believe he did. But a lot of guys are drafted on talents in the NFL. A whole lot of them. And Blake is certainly talented. There's never been a doubt. We would not have gone as just all in on Blake when he was a true freshman if he wasn't talented. right? Like People don't gravitate towards non-athletic people as football players. They gravitate towards these guys. They're just kind of these athletic marvels. Now, I think Blake Fisher did himself a disservice this year in losing as much weight as he did. I think it compromised the best parts of Blake Fisher's game. That's as a run blocker. And that's with his physicality. I thought he lost a little bit of that power this year, going from 325, 330 pounds the previous two years to 310 pounds is what he was listed at this year. And he just kind of looked like a little bit of a different, different player. I am first and foremost interested to see what does Blake Fisher weigh in at at this combine. I'm also interested to see what his arm length is because I've heard from some people that think that his arms might actually be a little bit shorter than what you would hope as for an offensive tackle. So that could bump him inside, potentially the guard. Well, that conversation will come, though. We'll see what the official measurements are on Blake Fisher. But I'm really interested to see the weights. I hope that Blake is in more in the 315 to 320 range. Because I think that that is where his explosiveness and his physicality are unlocked. And then the big part of the... Because I, I expect Blake to test well. Just flat out. I expect him to test well. He's a really he's a really talented kid. Very talented. I expect him to test very well. My main question, though, and I think a lot of people are going to ask this of him from team's perspective is, Blake, you're very talented. Why didn't you get a ton better over the last couple of years? You get better in some spots. But why weren't you significantly better? Why didn't you develop into an All-American? Why didn't you become a slam-dunk first-round pick? Why did you not hit that? And those are the types of questions that are going to be asked, guys. Because we 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 hyper-focus on like the weird questions we see out in the universe sometimes, right? Like, 
people ask like these very strange questions of the combine sometimes incredibly weird, but the, there are, there are, and I, I see people say three different coaches, Michael, just another guy named Joe Alt had three different coaches too. I mean, they were in a similar situation, were they not? But regardless, Blake is going to be asked those types of questions. You know, what, what's the reason for that? And maybe coaching will be a part of it. And honestly, I think that an offensive line coach in the NFL is going to talk themselves into Blake probably earlier than some people think. I think it's possible. But those interviews are going to be the thing that I look forward for feedback most. I want to see how Blake responds to criticism, if there's criticism thrown at him. And I want to see just kind of general feedback after those types of interviews, because those are the things that they try to put you in uncomfortable situations. That's the whole point of Indianapolis. Those guys are there for three to four days, and it's all about making them uncomfortable. They're in the same environment, which is big. Everybody's on an even playing field in theory, but it's then about making them uncomfortable, getting them up super early, putting them through the gauntlet, testing, million interviews with various teams. There's a lot that goes into this process to make guys uncomfortable and to find the truth. And that's what they're going to find. They're going to try to find Blake Fisher's truth this week. And I'm interested to see what they do find. Because if he does, if it does click, if Blake goes to the right situation, he's developed properly, they'll think there's starting, ta- starting caliber offensive line in the NFL talent there. It's just going to be about being in the right situation, being developed properly. And I hope for Blake's sake, he's ready for that challenge. I truly do. Number four for me, Aldrick Estime, running back. Listed at 5'11 and a half, 227 pounds. Been hearing some great things about him from a training perspective so far this offseason. I, I got some feedback that I think that Aldrick's going to test better than a lot of people think. Now, why is this big for Audric? It's huge for Audric because Audric is one of the running backs that has kind of has a stigma around him as well. The stigma is just a power back. He's physical, downhill, but can't do much else. I push back on that a lot. I broke down, I've broken down several games, posted a lot of clips on Twitter about Audric recently. I watched like Stanford, Ohio State, Clemson, bunch of, you know, some of his better games. I also went back and watched Louisville, which was technically his worst game. I think he only like 10 carries for 20 something yards in that one. So, yeah. And I think that we are understand as a collective, as a collective, and not me, not even saying you all in the chat. Like, I, I think that most Notre Dame fans kind of give Aldrich a little bit more credit than like the national perspective does. But there is a stigma out there that Audric is just kind of this downhill pl- pl- uh, plugger and maybe isn't a ton more, you know, can't affect the passing game a ton, can't do it, can't be a guy that affects space a ton. And I've seen it in games, I have, where, where Audric is making dudes miss in space. He's redirecting, bouncing, getting to the perimeter, catching the football. And so, I think a lot of people are going to ask themselves, you know, how fast is Audric? And it's an easy question, right? Like, I just I just described him as a downhill physical runner. Does that mean he lacks speed? Well, I don't think so. I actually think that Audric has pretty has good speed for his size and really good play speed. I mean, the NC State game obviously is the easiest one that we can go to as far as a a example of long speed. 
but I've also heard from, and we'll see if it comes to fruition, but the trainers that are working with, with Aldrich are very, um, very adamant that he's going to run a lot better than people think. So I'm not going to put a number out there, but I, I think that he might run a little bit better than some people are giving credit for. Like Brandon, man, what, what is that? Four, six, seven. Now nah, I think he's going to be faster than that based upon what I'm hearing. I think he's going to be faster than that. But my thing, that main thing that I want to see, and I think that a lot of people want to see, is what does this change direction stuff look like more? Because that's honestly, if I looked at Aldrich just physically, that's the thing that I would ask myself most about him, is you are 5'11 and some change, you're 227 pounds, and you are physically just put together, okay? And he looks like a dude that will run anybody over. And, you know, he's, he's one of those guys. He's one of those dudes. But when you're that muscle bound and you're that just put together, sometimes that affects flexibility, ability to change direction, to, you know, cut on a dime, to work out in space. IGK, you need to chill, man. <laughs> you need to chill. Joking, obviously. But yeah. Um, <laughs> so I want to see what his short shuttle is. I want to see what his three cone is. I want to see those things that are going to show me how well he changed his direction. I also want to see him in the position drills, run routes. You know, how natural does he look changing direction, catching the football? Those things I think are really going to determine Audric because I expect Audric to run fast for his size. I think he's going to run. Run quite fast for a kid that's 230 pounds. I was thinking he's gonna look pretty flex, uh, fun, um, smooth in the running drills. But I have questions. I think it's most people's question around the league: is can he give me anything as a pass receiver? Can he be a guy that can work on the space? Is he strictly an inside run oriented team, or do you think that he can be something more than that? What do you think? Right. So I believe that those are going to be the make it or break moments of this of this testing period for Audric. Because everybody knows, is there any doubt in, in anyone's mind that Audric Estime goes to the combine in these team meetings and, and teams just fall in love? Like, is there any doubt? He is such a charismatic kid, such a well-spoken well kid, that I think everyone's going to fall in love with him as a person. But are, is he just a guy that is an early down runner? Is he a guy that can be a little bit more of a higher volume dude in all capacities? What is his upside to play running back on the next level? That's going to be the question. Now, as of today, I would say that Aldrich is probably going to be a third round pick, give or take around. I could believe anything second to fourth. Even if he doesn't test particularly well, I don't think he gets out of the fourth round just because I just think the film is so good and he's such a big muscular dude. This isn't like a this isn't like a Kyron Williams situation where Kyron, you know, Kyron was a, a slower back or at least tested slower, and he was also 199 pounds, right? Like being small and not incredibly fast is a bad combination. If Aldrich runs a 4.62, let's say, but he's 230 pounds and looks the way he does, not as many teams are going to care as much, right? Because he's a bigger back. He can overcompensate in other areas. But regardless, we will see what happens 
in the next stage. Cause I, I, I think that he's going to impress some people and I'm hoping for it very, very much. I was even told, and again, we'll see if this happens, but I was told if, if, by someone that if Aldrich runs the time that I've, I'm being told by the training facility that he's at, which is a very reputable one, that Aldrich could be the first running back off the board. Cause it's not a good running back class this year, guys. Like it's not, I mean, Trey Benson for Florida state's a pretty good player. But he's coming. He had an, a really bad leg injury a few years ago. We'll see what his medicals look like. Blake Corum's a good runner, but he's sub five seven. Like he's going to be five six in some change. I mean, I, after that, it's like you have to departmentalize back. Like CJ Verdell. I mean, that's CJ Verdell. That was the other Oregon back a couple years ago. Bucky Irving is who I meant to say. It's kind of a little, little smaller scat back type. Then you got Braylon Allen, who's in a similar kind of vein as Audric. You know, kind of a bigger back. So, it, let's see. Let's see what what obviously if he can develop into that type of evaluation. But regardless, I think Aldrich has a big opportunity in front of him. Number five, biggest combine performance, Notre Dame. Marist Leuthal is my next one. Marist is Marist is about as weird of an eval as I've ever done in in from a Notre Dame perspective, not from a national perspective, because I've done some very weird evals in the past. Marist is six foot two, 239 pounds. This is verified measurables from the senior bowl, by the way. Six foot two, 239 pounds, 34 inch arms, 79 inch wingspan. Incredibly unique player. So unique that some of the comps that people have sent me from around the league are like dudes that like you just don't think about, right? Like Frankie Louvu was the dude from Carolina. Someone sent me another guy said Bobby Okarike who played at Stanford is now with the New York giants who's a pretty good player. Just very, very unique, very unique skill set that, that Maris brings to the table. Now Maris was not a consistent football player of the last two years. There are some games where he looks like a dude, other games where other games where he just seemed kind of lost. So you're still projecting Maris on the next level to how good he can be as a linebacker. If not, I think that Maris Lloyd should at least be a really good special teamer, but that, that's more about the make it's and kind of the, the baseline stuff that'll help him make a roster. But as a defensive player, you're hoping that his uniqueness and his versatility can provide someone with, with possibilities on next level. <clears throat> and when you pop on Maris film, you're going to see two things. One very inconsistent processing. Like I said, some games looks pretty good. Other games, feel like he doesn't know where he is. But whether you think that he's, uh, whether the processing is good or bad, though, I think one thing that we can all agree on, hopefully, is that Marist is a very good athlete for the position. He is expected to run very well. He's expected to test very well. And honestly, with his play style, he has to. He has to test really well. If he doesn't have a good day testing, that's a little bit of a red flag. That's a little bit of a, hey, we may need to go back and watch him again because he did not test the way that we thought he was going to test as far as what he does on film. Marist is a long athletic linebacker that needs to fit that mold to last on the next level because he's not going to be J.D. Bertrand, where it's like J.D. doesn't have to be the greatest athlete of all time because he's always in the right spot. Marist is not that guy. Marist needs to play in pursuits. He needs to to play in space at times. He needs to blitz. Like he needs to do things that are sp- kind of 
space oriented, attack style oriented. And I really think, I really think that he has upside on the next level, but at least he has a baseline. I think that's the one thing that people are kind of missing with Maris is that people are always like, um, you know, oh, he's not an NFL player and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, and he might not be an NFL starting linebacker or even a guy that plays a ton of volume, but why can't Maris Loifel stick as a special teams player? You know, we talk about simplifying what you're asking Maris to do. It's not much simpler than, hey, Maris, this is your lane. Run down fast that way and tackle the ball carrier. That's it's basic, right? Like there's no reading and reacting in those situations. It's literally that's your lane. Go fill it and go make a tackle right at the end of the day. So Maris needs to show that he's a great athlete in Indianapolis because that is what his role is on the next level. And that is definitely most beneficial to what he can be as a player on the next. All right. Next one. Next one. Number. What am I on? Number six. Oh, man. I need to work through this a little bit faster, guys. I'm talking too much. Number six, Javante Jean-Baptiste, defensive end. I think it's a I think it's a very important combine for Javante, man. I think it's very important. So Javante Jean-Baptiste, six foot four and a half, 260 pounds, Ohio State transfer, did a great job in his one year at Notre Dame. 39 total ta- uh, sorry, 49 total tackles, 10 and a half tackles for loss, five sacks in his lone year with the Irish. Did a really, really good job for Notre Dame this year. Now, and I saw someone ask uh, 40 predictions for Maris and JD. I, I meant to say, uh, so Maris, I'm predicting a, between a 4-6 flat and 4-6-2, which would be a very good time for him. 4-6 flat to 4-6-2. I'll get to JD's when I get to JD. So Javante had a really good season for Notre Dame. but So he was supposed to go to the East-West Shrine Bowl. Ended up not participating because he got called up to the Senior Bowl, which I would do the same thing. I would rather play against the big boys. Unfortunately, Javante did not have a good Senior Bowl. He just kind of looked outmatched a little bit at times. He looked like he wasn't able to counter the best offensive tackles at the event. It looked like the length kind of bothered him a little bit. And was he really prepared? I mean, yeah, he was prepared to play in an all-star game. If he wasn't going to be at the Senior Bowl, he was going to be down at East-West Shrine. So he was he was prepared. He was prepared. Just, just wasn't very good that week, right? Like, he just wasn't very good. He was in a little bit late, if that's what you mean by wasn't prepared. I mean, mentally, maybe a little bit. But, like, physically, he was ready. He was ready to go. He was training and everything. But regardless, he goes to Senior Bowl, I think, has a very lackluster week. It's not a good week at all. The pre-draft process is a long job interview. You have the film that you put on during your college career. Then you have the all-star circuit. Then you have the combine pro day. Then you have the top 30 visits with the NFL teams. It's a very long process. Unfortunately, Javante just scored kind of low in a part of the process. Now that means that the rest of the process, he kind of needs to pick it up a little bit. He needs to be able to rebound here and have a good showing. Unfortunately, I just don't know if I see a great tester in Javante. I, I'm hoping that he's a better athlete just physically than I think he is. Because I don't know if you all agree with me or not, but the thing that popped to me most when I watched him was that he that he does a lot of the fit does a lot of the little things really well. He's very physical. He plays he hand fights well. 
He is strong at the point of attack, but nothing about him is incredibly impressive athletically. Like he's not the twitchiest player in the world. I don't think his closing speed is amazing. It's just, he's just a really tough physical kind of gritty player is kind of how I envisioned about the John Baptiste. Now, unfortunately, he needs to showcase that maybe he's a little better athlete than I think he is. Now I have some prediction articles coming out and I actually just finished Devante before I came on. And I predicted four, seven, four, uh, four, seven, eight to four, eight flats, 32 inch verts right around maybe give or take an inch three cone and short shuttle are going to be the question marks. I mainly have, I think the explosive stuff's going to be fine, but is it going to be at such a level that you're going to get super pumped. And more importantly, that an NFL team is going to look at Javante Jean-Baptiste and say like, Hey, that guy has more upside. We can still develop him." I, I just, I'm struggling with that one a little bit, man. So that's why I think that I, I just, I'm just struggling with Javante being a riser in this class. And honestly, I wanted to put his, his number a little bit higher on this because I had him at number six, most important. I wanted to put him up a little bit. But honestly, I'm just not certain that he's going to exceed expectations in this type of setting. Now, it doesn't mean he's not going to be a good player. It doesn't mean that he won't last in the NFL. I was literally looking at Romeo Aquara's numbers before I got on here because I was trying to look at like some guys that might be like comparable skill sets to what Javante is. And Romeo tested really poorly. Like his three cone and short shuttle were bad. He ran like four nine in the 40. Like he was not a good tester at all. But he parlayed into a very successful NFL career. He had 10 sacks in a season. He had seven and a half in another season. Like Romeo Quarr was a good NFL player. So it's possible that Javante John Baptiste is just a much better football player than he is a physical athlete. I mean, it's very possible, but a part of the process, there's it's it's going to be major question marks. So I've heard some people have late round grades on Javante around the league. I've heard some people have priority free agent grades. I think he's a borderline draftable football player. Borderline. I kind of lead towards priority free agent, but if he has a nice athletic showing, then I think he starts taking himself up a little bit of a notch in the draft process because he's another kid that I expected to interview very well. I expected him. I mean, he's got a great, I mean, we've heard him in just his talks, right. And his media availability. It's a really sharp kid, man. He really represents himself well. So I hope for the best for Javante. I'm just very questioning on just how good of a, how good of a tester he's going to be at the combine. Number seven, most important. Again, we're out of eight players here, so we're nearing the end of these last few. These last couple guys are eh, not really that important as far as the impact their combine performances can have on their draft stock. It's more how how we can kind of reference this. Number seven, Sam Hartman, quarterback. Look, guys, Sam Hartman has a uh, opportunity in front of him because there's a couple kids. So the top three quarterbacks potentially in this draft: Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels are all not throwing at the combine. So you're losing arms in this class. There's only going to be so many balls to throw around, man. And that means that Sam Hartman is going to be one of the players that Sam Hartman is going to be one of the players that is going to have opportunities to show that he can, you know, he can throw well and he, he can impress evaluators in attendance, but he's lower on this because it's not necessarily a, a I expect him to throw well on air. But he's not going to do anything else physically that is going to just make you make your jaw drop, right? He's going to be six foot one. He's going to be around 210 pounds. He's going to have fine thresholds, nothing spectacular. He's not going to test exceptionally well. I did his kind of guessing as far as what I think he's going to run and test. 
And I just think it's going to be fine. Like, it's not going to be anything special. It's going to be okay. It's not going to be anything that really pops for you, though. But I think that the part of Sam Hartman's process that is more important, because he projects as a late round, potential backup on the next level, his most important part of this process is going to be the meeting rooms, the whiteboard session, being able to showcase his football IQ, his leadership qualities, him as a person. That's going to be more important than what he tests at. I mean, I think he's going to run 4-8-something. I think he's going to have a okay vert, maybe 30, 32 inches, fine. Like, testing-wise, it's going to be passable. It's going to be fine. But it's not going to be great, right? Like, it's just not going to be exceptional. But it doesn't necessarily have to be, though, is also the other side of it. Because he's, again, if you're talking about a borderline draftable player that's probably a backup in the NFL in best-case scenario, you just need him to be solid. You need him to be just requisitely good. You don't need him to be a star. You don't need Sam Hartman to be a star. So Sam comes in at number seven. Again, not a lot to gain in this process as far as the combine. I just kind of think he is what he is at this point, which is fine. Nothing wrong with it. Just it's kind of the world we're in right now with Sam Hartman. Number eight, J.D. Bertrand. I think J.D. is kind of solidified who he is at this point. I don't think there's much that's going to happen at the combine that's going to be like, oh, man. Move up boards. Oh, man, let's go double check. I think J.D. Bertrand is going to be drafted on day three to be a backup, Mike linebacker on the next level potentially, and play some special teams, and that's nothing wrong with that, baby. (laughs) Like, nothing wrong. It's a nice living. It's a really nice living. I think he's going to run pretty well. I had him 4.68 estimated in the 40. We'll see if I'm right or wrong. I think he's going to run pretty well in a straight line. I don't think any of his short area stuff is going to be exceptional. I think it's all going to be passable. I think he's going to look fine in drills. I think he's going to be a great interview. I think he's going to he's going to do really well for himself from the talking ball sort uh, portion and drawing stuff up on the whiteboard and doing all that cool stuff, right? As far as I'm a grinder, I'm a I'm a I'm a student of the game, and and it's important. You know, I'm joking about it, but it is also very important. But I just think JD kind of is what he is. You know, JD at Notre Dame was exactly what JD was at the Reese's senior ball, which was solid, right? Like he was solidly good player. And that's what he needs to sell himself as. So I just don't think that there's going to be a ton at this combine. That's going to be like make or break for JD Bertrand, rise up boards, fall down boards. Just think he is kind of what he is. And again, there's nothing wrong with being who you are. Cause I think what J what JD Bertrand is, is a potential stick on a roster for a long time on the NFL level. That's where I think of JD. That's why I think he's going to show out in Indianapolis. All right, well, folks, that's one through eight. Again, recapping. number, And this is based upon how big the combine performance is for each of their potential draft stocks. Number one, Cam Hart. Two, Joe Alt. Three, Blake Fisher. Four, Aldrich Estime. Five, Maris Loifau. Six, Devontae Jean-Baptiste. Seven, Sam Hartman. And eight, J.D. Bertrand. I'm going to get in to a little bit of some more broad combine talk next, folks. Before I do, if you could just hit that like button for me, be very appreciate, appreciative. If you get that notification bell, would it be even more appreciative if you can make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast, triple up the appreciation level. If you're listening to me on your favorite podcast platform, please subscribe there. Five star reviews are very much appreciated on there as well. Go to boards.ashbreakdown.com, sign up for the message board, make sure you get all the latest team and recruiting intel. And I'm going to talk combine next here on the Notre Dame Recruiting Hour on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.